Welcome to the MUFG for Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Derek Holpenny, Head of Research, Global Markets, EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday 13th, October 2023, and joining Derek to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Michael Owen, Head of Global Client Desk for EMEA in London. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only, and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Good afternoon, Derek. Afternoon, Michael. The week is coming to an end, and today we have some signs of risk aversion emerging. As we speak, the S&P 500 is down about 1% on the week, and the 10-year Treasury bond yield is dropped about 10 basis points. The dollar is, however, modestly stronger, but interestingly, the Swiss franc is outperforming in G10. Do you think this is all about geopolitical risk going into the weekend, or is there a macro theme behind these moves? Yeah, I think, you know, it's been a, a bit of back and forth throughout the week, obviously following the appalling events of, of last weekend. And when you look at the energy markets today specifically, I would I would certainly conclude that perhaps on today's price action, it is more about geopolitics. And I guess, you know, if you were short US treasuries going into the weekend when it looks like a, um, a ground invasion of Gaza from, from Israel is about to take place, then, you know, you, you'd be kind of wary perhaps of being short US treasuries. So there's probably a bit of short covering and a bit of liquidation and just uh, uh, investors being a bit conscious of the potential for not so much. I think everybody knew Israel was probably going into Gaza. It's been well telegraphed, but I guess from the perspective of the primary risk for the markets, which is the potential of a broadening out of of the um, the conflict to to other um, countries within the Middle East, uh, anything that could fuel speculation on that, I think would would make the the, the markets wary. So crude oil is up, you know, between two and three dollars on the day. And I guess from from the perspective of Europe, uh, you know, natural gas prices um, could have a a more meaningful impact. Um, You know, the TTF contract is up 40 percent this week since the the conflict um, began. And if there was, you know, further price increases next week, you very quickly start to get into a, into a scenario of the markets expecting a, a macro hit. And, you know, euro dollar is already under downward pressure. And you could definitely see, um, I, I think, a, an extension of the move to the downside if natural gas prices next week were to extend on on the gains that we've had this week. So, um, so yeah, I think... Um, I think Israel Gaza is is front and focus today. That's not to say we 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 should completely ignore the, the the macro developments. As I said, there was a bit of back and forth this week, and you know one of the important factors behind the Treasury yield move is this what looks like a you know a coordinated message from um, from Fed officials suggesting that market rates are doing the work for the Fed and therefore they don't have to raise rates. And it is interesting to consider that after a CPI print yesterday, which was admittedly only a little bit stronger than expected, um, it, it it hasn't had any kind of follow through. And the pricing for a rate hike on the 1st of November from the Fed is still only about three basis points. Um, so I think that the rhetoric, you know, I think just looking back 
over the last week or so, we've had Vice Chair Jefferson, we've had Laurie Logan from Dallas, um, we've had Mary Daly from San Francisco, Susan Collins from Boston, um, and, and uh, Philly Fed President Harker today. And in general, the message from all of them to, to one degree or another was suggesting that that market rates and the move higher in tenure in particular um, was, was going to have a, an impact going forward. Harker indeed today, interestingly, suggesting from a study that the, the point of, of problematic yields in terms of government financing of deficits may not be far from where we are now. Um, so I think uh, definitely Fed, the Fed is, is more mindful of, of 10-year yields. Uh, and certainly if we were to break the 5% level over the next couple of weeks, I think that would definitely uh, rattle um, uh, risk appetite quite considerably, potentially. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Derek. And um, next question's on China, actually. Obviously, China's very important in determining the strength of the dollar in general. There's been um, some releases out last week and um, certainly more due for the next few weeks. What should we look out for? And what do you think this might mean for the dollar overall? Yeah, um, next week we, we'll, we'll have GDP data, we'll have industrial production, retail sales. So, you know, the usual property investments, the, the usual array of, of monthly or in terms of GDP quarterly data. Um, yeah, I, I, as you said, Michael, it's from, from our perspective anyway, in terms of why we're, we've been bullish on the US dollar is, is, of course, what we've spoken about a moment ago in terms of the Fed. But then, you know, for, 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 for selling the US dollar, you've got to buy other currencies. And, you know, with the global backdrop, um, in terms of GDP growth as it is, you know, there's nothing particularly attractive outside of there. And that's why I think from a relative perspective globally, the dollar has been able to hold on to a lot of its strength. What would really need to change, I think, is some evidence that China's economy at the at the first point is, is stabilizing and then potentially starting to pick up on the back of policy um, action. And in that context, you know, certainly you could argue some tentative evidence um, that that's starting to take place. Aggregate financing in the lending data today from China was stronger than expected, up uh, 4.2 trillion uh, CNY. Uh, we had export growth, which is still negative, but the negative rate is slowing. And we saw that slow for um, the, the uh, another month, 8.8, minus 8.8 down to minus 6.2%. Um, and then there was this report this week, of course, of um, an additional potential one trillion uh, CNY of government bond issuance to finance um, another kind of round of fiscal stimulus to uh, to increase infrastructure spending. And you know, I, I think I think more policy steps need to be taken. Um, and I think what will encourage the Chinese authorities is that the steps taken so far, which were more directed at the, the property sector, is beginning to have some evidence of, of um, improving activity and in, in relation to sentiment in regard to local government finance vehicles, for example. So the cutting of mortgage rates, the, the, changing in the change in terms of um, down payments on properties, there's been a, a jump in uh, property sales activities, which is obviously really important for the revenues of these um, property companies that have been under pressure. Um, but we can see it in the financial markets in terms of local government uh, finance vehicle bonds. The, the spreads there have narrowed 
over um, the spread over over central government um, debt. Um, so, for example, the one year local government finance vehicle bond yield spread has dropped below 150 basis points to the lowest level we've seen since 2020. So it, it is beginning to reverberate, and you know while. The policies that have been put in place, you know, they're not necessarily game changers, but they do help alleviate the downward pressure that uh, property companies have been on or have been under. And now if we get this fiscal stimulus package, um, we start to see some some of the data stabilizing. So retail sales and industrial production picked up last month. Does that follow through in the data next month or next week? Then you know you, you start to get more confidence that the Chinese economy is stabilizing, and then obviously we could start to see some evidence that maybe growth in the first half of next year will, will show a pickup relative to the second half of this year. And from an FX perspective, that would be you know I think hugely significant, um, and it, it kind of reduces the risk of a a big dollar CNY break above 730, which in itself would feed dollar strength, certainly versus Asia, then versus EM more generally, and even then versus some of the core G10. So it, it is important. And I think definitely the developments of late um, suggest that, um, um, you know, possibly the, the, the dollar strength view that we've had, we've been expressing to clients that basically euro dollar could, could get down close to parity over the next couple of months. If the China story starts to to turn maybe a little bit sooner than we had anticipated, the chances of euro dollar breaking down to those levels, you know, would, would certainly be less based on the China story specifically. Obviously, what we spoke about before in terms of Israel-Palestine, then you know that in terms of natural gas price risk could could be the catalyst, of course. But in relation to China, the, the risks in terms of dollar strengths, you know, could potentially be uh, be easing. Thank you, Derek. And then finally, um, it's the FX Weekly, obviously, today. Would you like to update our listeners on your trade views, please? Um, yeah, we're uh, we're uh, implementing a long Aussie Kiwi position. So Aussie Kiwi has actually been uh, moving down. And, uh, you know, we got down to the low 106s. We've actually bounced today. Um, you know, there was some weak credit card spending data from New Zealand. And given what I've just spoken about in terms of Australia, or in, sorry, in terms of China, if the China story is starting to improve, and it'll be a gradual process, but if it's starting to improve, you know, maybe this downshift in Aussie Kiwi from around 109 down towards 106, maybe we can we can start to see that reversing. And, and certainly if optimism on China starts to pick up and there's reduced fears about dollar CNY breaking notably above 730, then, you know, I think there is definitely prospects there for Aussie to, to outperform Kiwi. Um, and, you know, we'd probably highlight the fact that the RBNZ has been more aggressive in its monetary tightening. And in the context then of how the data pans out over the next couple of months, you know, there's a there's certainly a greater risk that the monetary action from the RBNZ hits the New Zealand com economy um, a little bit quicker than the RBA's action hits the Australian economy. So, um, so yeah, long, long Aussie Kiwi trade. Thank you very much, Derek, and wishing everyone a good week ahead. Thanks, Michael. Thank 
Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review and subscribe and contact your MUFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team. Welcome to the 